Are you coming to the party this? Uh, I will this, be there. Yeah. Yeah. My my wife's fiftieth. Nowhere, nowhere, at no time is there any record of me ever saying, you know what I want? I want to be married to a fifty-year-old woman. Never, never happened. You never. That's true. Never You've never said, said it. I've never. I've heard you say different this, numbers, <laughs> but never fifty. <laughs> I'm Joe Biden. Uh, the number I like has a five in it. <laughs> Unfortunately, it also ends right after that. It's only one number. Anyway, we got a great uh, podcast for you today. Um, we award uh, the badge of merit. We talk about the economy. We give you clear understanding of what is going on in our government. Uh, the crazy saga of the BYU volleyball game. That is nuts. Mm-hmm. Nuts. Bizarre. Uh, all that and so much more on today's podcast. It's going to start in a minute. Let me tell you about Goldline. Most people don't know that you can uh, take your retirement account and put some of it into precious metals. That you can save for retirement. But more importantly, I really think, don't take my advice on investing ever, but I really think that this isn't going to be a good fall for the stock market for some reason. I just think something's coming. But maybe it's just me. Um, It is a hedge against insanity. It is a hedge against collapse. It's a hedge against inflation. Three reasons all of those things could be playing out right now. Do yourself a favor. Call Goldline and see if gold or silver or any precious metal is right for you to hedge. Call Goldline now. 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE. Or if you're listening to this in your underpants in the middle of the night. Hey, sexy. Just go to Goldline. Just go to Goldline.com. Disturbing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Goldline.com. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Hello and welcome, especially to those listeners in San Diego. It is nice to be back on in San Diego, the Patriot, 1360 AM. Thank you so much for uh, listening. Brand new radio station, first day. Welcome to the Patriot, 1360 AM. All right. I want to tell you a little bit about just I want to tie some stories together. First, big tech and Biden administration. Now we do know for sure they colluded to silence anybody who was descending on covid. And California just passed a law uh, ready for the governor to sign uh, a law that says we can disbar you or take away your medical license If you say anything that disagrees with the state's view on COVID, this is extraordinarily dangerous. Now, also the trap closing for people. Jean-Pierre brands Trump supporters as an extremist threat to our democracy. Okay, an extreme, not Trump, not the January 6th people. All Trump supporters are extremists and an extremist threat. Why are they doing all of this with Trump? One of the reasons is because they have nothing to run on. They can't run on anything. So just remind people, you hate Trump, you hate Trump. But they're also picking at you. They want you to strike out. They need you. If if you can't find extremist terrorists, then you have to create them. And remember, a lot of people in the Middle East say we're very, very good at creating terrorists. 
Um, this this one from the National Review, the DOJ filings yesterday suggest a Trump indictment is coming. What happens when that happens? And at the same time, all these whistleblowers are bar uh, are really bothering Merrick Garland. He warns the DOJ employees that communicating with Congress without his authorization violates their employee standards. Now, I thought that everybody loved whistleblowers. Now you're in trouble if you go to Congress and and report something that is happening that might be illegal. Really? The U.N., the Racism Committee, has condemned now our pro-life laws in the U.S., suggesting that minorities ha- uh, face a higher risk of unwanted pregnancies. So follow me on the logic here. America is racist because Many people in America don't want to kill black babies. You're you're not racist if you want to kill black babies. There's logic for you. Nancy Pelosi has declared that it is sinful to restrict abortion. The injustice of it all. It's sinful. She should talk to the Pope because I don't think he agrees. with It's sinful. Who's injecting religion And uh, mixing it with politics, the left, their religion, their religion. I want to uh, today's the last day before I go on vacation uh, with my wife. And uh, I feel it's really important to say something to you that I've never said before. Uh, This is something that I am trying to do every single day. And if you've never done it before, it is really difficult. But. We have to do it. Please read the Bible. Please read the Bible every day. Christians need to read the Bible. They need to know what our story is, why we believe these things to be true. Liberals, they love Shakespeare and all the words he invented. They love all mythology and the words that came from them. They hate the Bible. It's just a horror. The left will ban the Bible if they ever got in charge because it it happens. You know, the spread of atheism. Oh, it's on the rise. Well, maybe. But they say it's like a, a victory that we're getting rid of religion. No, I'm here to tell you the same exact warning that was given to the German people in the late 1800s. God is dead. That's not a celebratory thing, gang, because we will and we are currently replacing God. The rest of that uh, paragraph is, and that's not going to be a good thing because people will have a God. Who are they going to worship? We are now worshiping the planet. We are worshiping our government. We are worshiping wokeness. It is extraordinarily dangerous. By the way, atheism, there's the only countries that have been atheistic uh, are those that existed by force, communist countries. But I, I go back to, I don't care how you read the Bible. I don't care if you just think it's a, I, I happen to believe it to be true. I happen to believe that it's all based in fact. Most people uh, nowadays, I don't know what they believe, 
But here's what I know for sure. And I'm not asking you to believe it. I'm asking you to know this. All of Western society was based on that book. If you don't know that book, you don't have to believe it. If you don't know that book, you can't understand or defend the Western way of life. Let me just show you how influential this book was. Ever heard an eye for an eye? That's from the Bible. The land of milk and honey? From the Bible. Forbidden fruit? Bible. Bottomless pit? Two-edged sword? God forbid. Scapegoat? Scandal? Land of nod? By the sweat of your brow? Apple of my eye? All from the Bible. Fire and brimstone, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. A man after my own heart. Did you know that was from the Bible? I have a broken heart. I'm at wit's end. He bit the dust. Don't put words in my mouth. Put your house in order. He's nothing but skin and bones. By the skin of your teeth. Behemoth. Nothing new under the sun. A little birdie told me, rise and shine. Can a leopard change his spots? Eat, drink, and be merry. The writing's on the wall. It's just a drop in the bucket. There's a little fly in the ointment. This is all from the Bible. To the four corners of the earth, we don't see eye to eye. Well, this cursed, he's salt of the earth. Go the extra mile. Pearls before swine fall by the wayside. Hey, walk the straight and narrow. That's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Blind leading the blind. The eleventh hour, kiss of death. Give up the ghost. Wash your hands of the matter. The truth shall set you free. The twinkling of an eye. It's a labor of love. Live by the sword. Die by the sword. A fall from grace. You fought the good fight. The powers that be. All from the Bible. If you don't think... That that book helped build our society, then can you explain why everybody knows these phrases and they have no idea where they came from? You know the famous line from the song Money by Pink Floyd? Rip off. Timothy 610. Teddy Roosevelt said, no other book of any kind ever written in English has so affected the whole world of a people. How did it do it? Literary masterpiece written by uneducated men. The, best, the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. Between five and seven billion copies have been sold. For reference, an estimated 800 million copies are in, in print of the Koran. 200 million copies of A Tale of Two Cities. This is... Between five and seven billion copies. By the way, ironically, it is also the most shoplifted book. Christianity, Judeo, Christian principles. That's the Bible, the foundation of modern politics and law. Leviticus 25.10. Proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all of the inhabitants thereof. You know where that comes from? Yeah, I know. The Bible but also the Liberty Bell. When Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I Have a Dream speech on the National Mall, he was not tearing these, this country down. He was challenging America to live up to its greatest ideals, the greatest ideal of any country ever stated in the history of the world. 
the things we used to find self-evident. And in front of 250,000 people that witnessed his sermon live there on the mall, he referenced four scriptures in the speech. Amos 524, Isaiah 44, uh, Psalms 35, and Galatians 3, verse 28. Without that book, freedom as we know it would not exist. Ah, Plato talked about it 300 years before Jesus came to earth. Yes, but democracy is nothing without the political freedom that that book and Christianity gave to us. The right to a fair trial. Sorry, that comes from the Jewish part of the Bible. In fact, what's really weird, all of it is the Jewish part of the Bible. Anyway, Deuteronomy... 1915, that's a fair trial. Exodus 21, verse 23 through 25. Our law's insistence on witnesses, two or more witnesses, comes from the Bible. You can't have fair trials without this book. Can't. You know what happens when you try to destroy the Bible and you stand against things like that? You start to have trials like we're having now in the public, like we just talked about at the uh, volleyball tournament with Duke University. What? What happened there? You don't have any witnesses. None. None. No video, no evidence, no witnesses. Guilty. That's what happens when you get away from Judeo-Christian principles. The left's obsession with destroying Judeo-Christian principles and our religions, it is one and the same with their obsession of destroying Western society because you destroy one and you destroy the second. Just for anybody who hasn't read the Bible, please, I am not a Bible-thumping guy. I'm a guy who has struggled my whole life to read it. And I'm asking you, please read it. Let me remind you, Daniel 725, because what's happening reminds me about what he wrote about the Antichrist. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Will wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. What? How do you change times and laws? And they shall be given into his hand until a time and a times and the dividing of time. He's changing times. Are you able to keep track of time? Because I'm not. You have able to do that? I used to be able to go, oh, yeah, that was just a year ago. I can't tell you what was a year ago or two years ago. I've completely lost the ability to recall time. It's almost as something's happening and there's a changing of time and times. They speak like children. They understand like children. 
they think like children, but ultimately they're just hypocrites that want you to give up your faith, your God, to worship by force their God. They may be able to evaluate the appearance of the sky, but they are certainly not able to recognize the signs of the times. Hopefully, you will. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. We have Carol Roth joining us now, the author of The War on Small Business, a former, as she likes to say, recovering investment banker. Um, and I wanted to get her on today and ask her what this means. This, according to the Wall Street Journal, the real estate giant in uh, China has said China's property market has slid into severe depression. Hi, Carol. That sounds scary. <laughs> Hi, Glenn. Happy September. What a great way to, to kick off yeah. the, the last four months of the year with right. a, a big depression in China. Right. What does it mean? So China is basically a giant mess, um, obviously, uh, outside of their demographic issues, outside of the fact that they're not really an emerging market anymore, and that's putting pressure on their manufacturing. They have this sort of confluence of things going on, um, the COVID disruptions, they have heat and water power issues that are basically rationing energy, they have youth unemployment at 20%, and then wow. they have this property bubble that has burst. So basically, China did something similar to what we did. It, it was a communist version of what we did here leading up to the Great Recession financial crisis, where they just plowed a bunch of cheap money um, into creating lots and lots of real estate. You know, like and, ghost uh, cities, not lots of real estate, yes. whole cities that had and no one in them. That, yeah, that li literally in the middle of nowhere that nobody wanted to live in. And then the prices of everything just started to get out of control. Um, one of the things that is a little bit different about, well, there are a lot of things that are a little bit different about China, but mm -hmm. one of those things <laughs> is that housing is about 70% of household wealth. Um, wow. People who have money that the middle class, they don't trust the stock market there, which they should not. Mm -hmm. And over 90% of households in China actually own their residence. So that compares to about 65% in the United States. So a mm. huge, huge amount of the wealth of the middle class is tied up um, you know, within real estate. And the property has gotten crazy. Like in the major cities, it's about 50 times the average income. In a, in a crazy place like New York, it's about 10 times the average income. Wow. So you can see that, that that has really gotten completely out of control. And we all knew that it was unsustainable sustainable was just sort of a question of when uh, Chinese policy and then all these other events kind of came together at the same time. And now, like we suffered through, you know, 20 years ago, they are going to have to endure the same thing. Um, but, you know, with a different tenor, because you know, it's a communist country, China owns the bank, they have a, a, the whole middle class is sort of, um, you know, involved and, and their wealth is tied up in this. So this is a major issue for the Chinese economy. I will tell you that um, this should strike everyone as more than a little odd. You know, it's not odd for for us to see protests in front of banks. 
Yeah. In China, that is akin to protesting the Communist Party. They've rolled in with tanks and soldiers and people are still protesting. That shows yeah. how unhappy people are with what's going on. Because in China, as I understand it, please correct me if I'm wrong. Here we go out and find a house. Then we go to a bank. In China, you go to a bank, you get a loan, you start paying on that loan, and then you go to a builder, and it might take five years, but you're paying on that. And what's happened yeah. is these builders went bankrupt, and all these people have been paying on this loan, and they, what, lose their money? Yeah, I mean, there's actually um, you know, reports of people living in unfinished homes. So as you mentioned, you know, the, the middle class in China, they've started to band together and they're basically saying we're not paying our mortgages anymore. And you have to remember that, that China has implemented their social credit system. And one of the dings for social credit is not paying your debts, which your mortgage would obviously fall into. So the fact that they are willing to stand up against the Communist Party against this social credit pushback um, just goes to show, as you said, just what a, a complete disaster this is for the Chinese people so, and, the, and the government. So President Xi, he is elected one more time. I think it's in November, isn't it? Mid-October. Mid-October. October yeah. So he's running for re-election and he did change the Constitution that he could be dictator for life, but only after this election. When Pelosi went out, the word is from people that I know in China that are high up in in the banking world uh, that do business in banking uh, over there that they've been watching their press very closely um, because there's a there's half of China and the leadership. They don't want Z. Um, and so some of the reports that came out when he when when uh, Pelosi was going over where they said she's going to he's going to shoot that plane out of the sky. They made all of these, you know, these demands or expectations of Z knowing he couldn't do it because humiliation is one of the worst things. Uh, weakness is horrible in China. And so they set him up to be weak. How does this play in his election? Well, you know, we would assume um, that there would be fair elections. Obviously, that's in question even in the United States. It certainly um, is not the case in, in communist China. And so I think that you know, being entrenched in the party, um, you know, even though there is pushback, I think it would be a giant surprise if he wasn't elected again. Okay. And I do think that censorship um, has played a, a big issue in this. You know, part of the reason... I've been told that they've had these COVID lockdowns is because they're trying to control information a lot, not let people talk to each other, not let people in the country to let the, the real tenor of what's going on um, out into the broader population. So there are a lot of people in China who, you know, even though they may be upset about this one particular thing, don't really have a scope on the real story and who knows what they're being told. That's unbelievable. Um, this story leads me to something here in America Bank of America has just started a policy that sounds very familiar, except race is involved now. Zero down payment uh, for mortgages for first-time buyers. And uh, I believe this is for minorities to help minorities, black and Hispanics, grow ownership uh, of homes. 
zero down payment, zero closing costs. So just come on in. It's like renting a house. Isn't this what caused 2008? You know, I know that history always repeats itself and human beings have a hard time learning from the past. But really, this wasn't that long ago. You would think right. there would be some grace period right. where we go, OK, yeah, this probably isn't a good thing to do. And it's really frustrating because it's one of those things that sounds very nice on the surface. So, you know, we're going to help these underserved communities build wealth. You know, that's a good thing. We want everybody in this country to be able to participate in wealth creation opportunities. The last way that you do that is at a point where we're having a top in the housing market. The Fed is raising rates. We're heading into a recession. Uh, prices are going to come down. And then you take somebody who can't afford the down payment and you get them paying on a house that you know they're not going to be able to afford over the long term. That's basically stealing equity from them in the, in the long term and making them very um, afraid to continue to do that in the future. This is, this is what they called predatory lending. And it's being pushed, I'm sure, by the government. Uh, it's being pushed by these big banks that are all in collusion with the Great Reset. It is going to impoverish people even more. Yeah, I mean, if you want to tie this to the ESG, right, this is part of the, yeah. the social initiative. We have to make housing more affordable, but that doesn't do this. I mean, you know, this this creates more fees for a bank at a time when they may be losing fees and origination because the Fed is raising interest rates and that's, you know, fl flowing through the mm. market. Um, you know, it's not like they're creating a fund and saying we're going to buy up properties and we're going to allow you to rent to own. I mean, there, there are ways that you can do this for underserved communities that I think would be fantastic, but, but a zero down mortgage. And by the way, it's not like a veteran zero down mortgage where there's a strict underwriting process. This is a non underwritten process. And we know there's a reason why you do underwriting. We've seen how this has gone awry in college lending. Now they're bringing it back to the uh, mortgage industry once again, because there wasn't enough damage the first time around. Or they want to make sure that there is nothing left for people to own. And or or <laughs> yeah. maybe they want the poor to be able to have this at the expense of the middle class. And they'll just forgive those loans like, you know, they're on the kick of forgiving every it's other loan. Unbelievable. I mean, so there's a whole there's a buffet of possible fantastic. And none of them are good. Life. None of yeah. them are honest. None of them are free market based. None of them are ethical. None of them. No, it's it's picking winners and losers. It's letting you know, the government and you know, these big entities play venture capitalists uh, in a way that they shouldn't. And it's not teaching sort of the discipline so that we allow for these wealth, broad wealth creation opportunities, which is the future of prosperity, because we know at the end of the day, big business, big government, big special interest doesn't want that. They want to gut the middle and working class. They want to consolidate power. And so every one of these policies you're seeing ultimately ties back to that in some way. Um, energy prices, uh, Goldman Sachs is now saying just the energy prices will push the UK inflation to 22%. That is a, a near post-war record of 22% inflation. That's, I mean, we uh, let me get another story here because I read uh, here, uh, cost of living, 
Uh, shoppers despair at cost of staple foods soar up to 20% in a year. That's remarkable. I mean, we're yeah. all going to see this, and it, it's a lot of it is coming from this craziness of ESG with the energy. Absolutely. This is entirely self-inflicted, and that's the most frustrating part of this, is it could have been avoided, but it was deliberate by policy. And who is going to bear the brunt of it? It is the small businesses. It is the middle and working class. It is the poor. It's the people who really can't afford to have this happen. I've seen things all over Twitter and been sharing some of the stories coming out of Europe and, and, and the UK um, in particular, with small businesses that are getting their energy bills, and they're you know something like ten thousand euros, or you know like multiple tens of thousands of euros, and it's just completely non-sustainable. I mean, oh, obviously yeah. nobody's going to be able to no. operate under those types of conditions. It's going to be a really ugly winter. And as we're talking about not learning lessons, this should be a giant neon sign for us to go, okay, yeah, they, they made a mistake. Let's just own it and reverse course. Yeah, but they're continuing. Uh, they just passed the biggest climate bill and are talking about what a great thing there is as if there's not more pain and suffering on right. the other side. Uh, I will tell you, you know, uh, Marx said that for a communist revolution, to happen you needed to have the working class rise up and then they could close it down and that if you can't get them naturally you have to create the conditions for that and everything including the irs all of these things are designed to bankrupt the middle and lower class to wipe them out entirely and when that happens you will have revolution on the street it is. You, yeah, go ahead. You will own, you will own nothing and mm -hmm. you will not be happy because as we have seen throughout history, those that don't own anything are not the people who are happy. Yes. Thank you so much, Carol. Uh, appreciate it. Another uplifting segment. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of these days it'll turn around. One and we'll day we'll have good that. news. Yeah. One, one of these one days. Of these <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You bet. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So architectural plans have been leaked uh, from the Ministry of Environment and Climate Change, Canada. Uh, they are building now under the Trudeau administration, a new facility in Wig Winnipeg. Now, Understand Winnipeg is uh, heartland, Canada. It's red state central, okay? Uh, they're building this facility that will be the home to a firearms armory, interrogation rooms, this according to the, the uh, architectural plans, biological labs, media relations offices. I don't even know what this is. Controlled quiet rooms. And intelligence facilities. The plans were drawn up by a firm in Winnipeg, and they kind of open a window into what climate enforcement looks like in Canada. Down the hall from the proposed firearms storage rooms are several evidence rooms, interrogation suites with adjacent recording rooms. According to a recently posted Indeed.com ad up in Canada, the ministry is searching to recruit a battalion of climate pollution officers. 
with the uh, name of the group, the Environmental Enforcement Directorate. Doesn't that sound a little communist, just that? The entire facility is 50,000 square feet. It will uh, house hundreds of ECCC staff. Um, And the Impact Assessment Act is what gave it power. This passed in the final days of Trudeau's majority government, and it gave sweeping power to ministerial enforcement officers. But nobody knew what that was. It was just in that bill, kind of like, you know, the bill we just passed. Nobody really read it. Nobody knew what it was. The IIA empowers agents of the Ministry of Climate Change to enter premises without a warrant to verify compliance or prevent non-compliance with the Climate Change Act. Trudeau's climate police can enter any location that affects the environment to take photographs access computer systems and communication devices and direct any person to put any machinery vehicle or equipment in the place into operation or shut it down they may also prohibit entry or access to the location entirely got it knock knock who's there we ask the questions here that is the new climate police. Now, the armory is in Winnipeg, heartland of what? The agricultural region of Canada. Hmm. Now, this came out just a couple of days after um, these climate, uh, this climate agency dispatched a bunch of the climate enforcers and they were accused of trespassing on private land in Saskatchewan, trying to collect nitrogen samples, nitrogen. Oh, that's fertilizer. According to the landowners who confronted the federal agents trespassing on their land, they were told that the purpose of them being there was to test the water in the farmers dugouts and measure nitrate levels. And they didn't need a warrant to do that because they were the climate police. Trudeau's government recently announced a policy to reduce the use of fertilizer on Canadian farms by 30 percent. This policy is widely being criticized by those greedy farmers across the country and by provincial governments in the western provinces with opponents saying it will cripple Canada's food supply, which is exactly why the farmers are protesting in Europe. This coming at the worst possible time for food supply. You know, if you wanted to reduce the surplus population, if you believe that humanity was a blight on the earth, that the earth just couldn't handle all of these people. Is there a better way? Is there anything that is out of line with that kind of thinking? Are they doing anything that is would would stop the death of thousands, millions of people? Or are they adding to the chances that we kill millions of people? You know, your friends and you 
have to start understanding that that's not a radical question. What have they done to help the average person? Then make a list. What have they done that actually hurts the average person? The IRS in our country is going to be used to hassle and shut down and impoverish small business owners, the middle class, and the lower class. This is not going to affect you know, millionaires and billionaires unless they have a conservative bent. There's a great... Uh, well, before I get to this, let me just show you some effects, okay? What has been done in the last 10 or 15 years? How is it affecting us? Well, we have the greatest health care in the world. Well, we used to have the greatest health care in the world. Now we have Obamacare. Now we've had the government screw with it. So are we getting better or worse as human beings? Federal report released Wednesday revealed that there has been a precipitous drop in the average life expectancy in America for the second consecutive year. In 2019, the average American was expect, expected at birth to live 78 years and 10 months. That figure dropped to 77 years in 2020. Now the life expectancy for the U.S. population stands at 76 years and one month. The lowest it's been since 1996. When I was a kid, my grandfather died at about 65 or 67 years old, and that was old. It's going to be old again. Is it getting better or worse? Well, let's ask the food banks. The food banks all across the country say the demand for food at the food banks is it's it is inflation that is destroying households and it is worse than the worst part of the pandemic when people weren't working didn't have money californians is it getting better or worse californians urged to avoid charging electric vehicles well didn't your state just say that they're banning the sale of gas-powered vehicles by 2035. What magic fairy dust are they going to fart out of Gavin Newsom's ass that is going to produce all the magic energy that we're going to need? Oh, by the way, California is also wanting to take over the fast food industry. They just passed a bill. That Newsom will sign that will create a council to dictate wages and working conditions for fast food restaurants. They will that one of their goals is to make sure that the minimum wage for fast food workers is twenty two dollars an hour. Twenty two dollars an hour. It wasn't Bernie pitching for 15. So now we're 50 yeah, percent above. We Bernie. are 22. Mm. We're 22. Why? Because California has the highest poverty rate of any state in the union. Californians, ask yourself why? All right. This is from Jordan <laughs> Peterson. And I want you to listen to this. Corporations and utopians are offering authoritarian solutions to the crisis of 
only democracy and free markets can solve. Deloitte, you know what Deloitte is? It is the largest professional services network in the world. They're headquartered in London. It's also one of the big four global accounting companies offering audit, consulting, risk advisory, tax, and legal services to corporate clients. With a third of a million professionals operating on those fronts worldwide and as the third largest privately owned company in the U.S., Deloitte is a behemoth, a word that came from the Bible, by the way, with numerous and far-reaching tentacles. In short, it is an entity that you should know about, not least because such enterprises no longer limit themselves to their proper ballywick, uh, but consciously or not, they have assumed the role of counselors uh, and believers in unchecked globalization whose policies have sparked considerable unrest around the world. Jordan Peterson continues, if you're seeking the cause of the Dutch agriculture and fishery protests, the Canadian trucker convoy, the Yellow Jackets in France, the farmer rebellion in India, the recent catastrophic collapse of Sri Lanka or the energy crisis in Europe and Australia, you can instruct yourself by the recent pronouncements from Deloitte. While not directly responsible, they offer an insight into the elite groupthink that has triggered these events, into the cabal of utopians operating in the media, corporate and government fronts, wielding a nightmarish vision of environmental apocalypse. In May this year, Deloitte re- released a clarion call to precipitous action trumpeting the climate emergency cr- confronting us. They called it the turning point, a global summary. It's a stellar example of a mentality more common among officials in the EU, one of fundamental bureaucratic overreach and one which generated Brexit, a very good decision on the part of the Brits, um, that threatens the very survival of that self-same EU. Deloitte models posit that climate impacts could affect global economic output. And they say that unchecked climate change will cost us $178 trillion over the next 50 years. That, by the way, is $25,000 per person. Uh, You know, that includes your children. Computer model, by the way, does not mean data. And even data does not mean fact. Computer model means, at best, hypotheses posing as mathematical facts. Valid authority, Jordan Peterson says, needs to rest in the people. Truly valued, valid structures of authority are local, not centralized, for reasons of efficiency and emergency. This must not become the generation of yet another top-down top tower of Babel that will not solve our problems, just as similar attempts have failed to solve our problems in the past. Ask yourself, are these Deloitte models which are supposed to guide all the important decisions we make about economic security and opportunity of families and the structure of our civil societies, are they accurate enough even to give those who employ them any edge whatsoever, say, in predicting the performance of stocks? The answer is no. And how do we know? Because if such accurate models existed and were in- implemented by the company with Deloitte's resources and reach, Deloitte would have all of the money. 
So why is this a problem? Why should you care? Well, Jordan Peterson writes, the saviors at Deloitte admit that there will be short-term cost to implementing their cure, which is zero emissions. Uh, This, by the way, is a goal identical to that adopted last week by the delusional leaders of Australia. Here's the confession couched in bureaucratic doublespeak from the Deloitte consultants. During the initial stages, the combined cost of the upfront investments of decarbonization coupled with the already locked in damages of climate change would temporarily lower economic activity compared to the current emissions intensive path. So these godlike figures attempt to justify this by saying those most exposed to the economic damages of unchecked climate change would also have the most to gain from embracing low emission future. Really? Tell that to African and Indian populations in the developing world that have been lifted from poverty by coal and natural gas. Think of this. Existing industries need to be reconstituted as a series of complex, interconnected, emission-free energy systems, energy, mobility, industry, manufacturing, food and land use, and negative emissions will be executed. Well, gee, wow, you said they were a series of complex, interconnected systems. That sounds not difficult. That sounds impossible to do quickly. What are we thinking as a globe? Da, 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 